I'll tell you a story that happened to me. One day as I went to Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show, which makes it the last week, last show of the week. But you know what? That's all right. It's been a fun-filled, action-packed week with signings and re-signings and a lot more optimism about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week than in the previous, I don't know, month or so. So uh, we're going to kind of recap everything that went on for the Bucks. Great press conferences today with Jason Light, Anthony Nelson, and Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean was the star of the show, of course. Don't make a scene. It's just Dean. And we'll talk a little bit about what's next for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who should they go after? What what position should they address next in free agency? So a lot of stuff to get to on tonight's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my colleague from PewterReport.com, Adam Slavon. We call him Sly. Adam, how are you doing on this Thursday evening? I'm doing really good. How are you doing, Matt? I'm okay. I was happier earlier today. Well, I woke up in a bad mood. Because I found out Edwin Diaz, the closer of the Mets, is going to be out for the whole season with essentially a torn ACL. Then I was in a good mood after talking to Jamel Dean, Anthony Nelson, and Jason Light. A lot of great info. We got a ton of videos we're going to play on today's show. Um, And then I got pissed off again because none of my bets are hitting in March Madness. And I had Arizona winning it all. And they just lost to Princeton. So it's been an up and down day overall. I'm in a good mood. Happy to be with the uh, Pewter people. Shout out to everybody in the comments. Feel free to put uh, who you picked in your bracket for March Madness. Uh, Adam, did you make one? I did not make one this year. What the hell, man? I've never had good luck in the past. And I actually didn't recall it was today until this afternoon. I was like, ah, missing the madness. Too late. All right. With the Bucs, there's been enough madness. So That's true. There has been a uh, ton of madness with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, I mean, just want to get your reaction, Adam, to some of the moves that have been made. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, you have written about. Um, Levante David's back. Jamel, Anthony, who we were talking about before. Just your thoughts on some of the moves that the Bucks have made and the, re- the re-signings and just the overall job of Jason Light and Mike Greenberg, Jackie Davidson. Um, do they deserve keys to the city? They might deserve keys to the city for the job they've done in free agency. And I'm very surprised that they were able to keep both Dean and Nelson. I really did not expect Jamel Dean to be the Bucks cornerback next season. And the fact that they were able to keep him on such a reasonable deal, only guaranteeing about half of his contracts at 13 million a year when projections were 17 to 18 million a year, just a great job. And it's very hard for a team to find one number one cornerback. But the Bucks have two, and Davis and Dean. And they were also college teammates at Auburn, which is very cool. And just kind of illustrates how, how important chemistry is. And Jason Light kind of mentioned, like, the culture building and keeping, like, guys in town is really important. And just going on Nelson, Nelson had a really solid season last year that kind of allowed him to get a bigger contract. And he led the, the team in forced fumbles had, I believe, five and a half sacks, and he's going to be a great rotational pass rusher. And it also gives him some stability with 
both Shaq Barrett and JTS. You don't know how they're going to do next season. And I also think that the team will also bring in a pass rusher early, early in the NFL draft within maybe rounds two or three. So it sets them up well. They've done better in free agency than perhaps many out there would have believed. And bringing in Baker Mayfield, it kind of evens out the playing field in the NFC South in terms of quarterbacks with Derek Carr, Taylor Heineke, and Mayfield. Pretty similar production between the three. And then you'll obviously see what Carolina will do with the, the number one pick. Yeah, it will be very interesting with what they have to do. And I think what is so fascinating what the Bucks front office was able to do is the fact that they essentially came into this free agency with one arm tied behind their back because yeah. you knew they didn't have money and you knew there, there were so many positions to fill. And that's why it was fascinating, especially Jamel Dean, man. I mean, you had credited, well-respected, like national media writers and reporters saying Jamel Dean's going to get the bag. He could get $17 million a year. And then the fact yeah. that he's not even the highest-paid corner on the team playing with his buddy Carlton Davis, who's getting $14 million a year, and Jamel gets $13 million a year. And for four seasons, remember, they signed Carlton to a three-year deal. So the, the fact that they were able to do that, and then Levante David was definitely surprising without question. I think it made more sense as the days went on when you saw the other deals that the inside linebackers were getting. It made a little more sense, but going into it, $7 million every single person would have absolutely signed up for and that's why I saw some people knocking the Anthony Nelson signing with uh, the amount of money he's getting, essentially five, five and a half million per year. But they were able to overspend because of the deals that they were able to get with Jamel Dean and Levante David. Like I said at the beginning, they came in with their hands tied. All right. This was not going to be easy. Oh, let's sign everybody. We can we can get any player that we want. No, the Bucs had to find value and they found value bringing in their own guys. Now, let's remember. With the Bucks' struggles last year, the defense wasn't really the struggle. You know, they uh, Scott pointed it out yesterday on the show. They had what a seven and three record when they only allowed twenty one points or less. This defense is good. It is solid. It will keep them in games. It is on the offense to turn things around. Big question, obviously, without Tom Brady there, and you have a new offensive coordinator and Baker Mayfield in the mix now, and and. Um, Kyle Trask obviously competing for that job. You keep the core on the defense, which essentially they've done. They are going to be okay on that side of the ball for next season. I feel very confident about the defense. For sure. and But I do believe in terms of like all the free agents that are left for the Bucs, I believe there's 18 of them. Yeah. Their next move will be on the defensive side. Mm -hmm. And that, whether that's... Uh, that's what I think. We can kind of dive into that. Whether that's maybe safety and Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal, Mike Edwards, defensive line without Golston, who by not signing him yesterday at 4 p.m., they take on his full $2.4 million uh, dead cap hit for next season. Mm. Or even uh, just like edge rusher bringing in perhaps Carl Nassib back into the fold. Yeah, so let me ask you about this because I brought it up on yesterday's show and – you know, that is the topic today. What is Tampa Bay going to do next? And I think defensively, it's fairly obvious safety. Like, they're going to have to find either a veteran safety, bring him back, Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal, 
or maybe go in a different direction. Um, I think defensive line is in there as well, but outside linebacker, definitely in the conversation. And I love Carl Nassib. I like the energy that he brings. Um, obviously well-liked by his teammates. And this isn't, and I said this yesterday, I'm kind of repeating myself, but whatever. It's nothing on Carl Nassib specifically. It's the entire outside linebacker group. I think we're kind of all in agreement or we understand the outside linebackers underperformed last year, whether it was Shaq Barrett getting hurt, who really wasn't playing that well up until getting injured in that Thursday night game, whether it was JTS and the up and down play. The two best outside linebackers were Anthony Nelson and Carl Nassib. And Anthony Nelson had five and a half sacks. All right. Let's, you know, he's not TJ Watt by any means. And I am happy that he is back. If the outside linebacker room was arguably the most disappointing group, the group that struggled the most, why is the strategy all of a sudden, hey, let's bring all of them back and we're going to get a different result? I think that's where drafting an outside linebacker within the first one to four rounds is really where you're going to see an upkick in the edge rusher game. Because if anything, it's just going to put more fuel to the fire to JTS, to Anthony Nelson, and on and on. Yeah, I agree with that. And By bringing back Nelson, perhaps that eliminates the Bucs drafting two edge rushers. Now they may only draft one, but it's evident they need to bring in somebody young and athletic, kind of in that JTS mold maybe more de- more developed than JTS was coming out of college. Somebody like uh, the guy from K- Kansas State, Uzuma. Yeah, Uzama. Yeah, yeah. Felix Uz- Anudike Uzama. Uh, I've gotten better at it. Scott obviously nails it every single time. But uh, yeah, yeah, he would def- he would definitely be an interesting guy to, uh, to pick. And it kind of goes back to, <laughs> we're kind of switching it up here. But like, you know, there was a thought for a little bit, wide receiver could be, the first round pick for the Bucks, but it's like, do you really want to pick a guy that's going to be at fourth string at best, maybe third yeah. string? Is that who you want to take with your first overall first round pick? Kind of the same with outside linebacker now, you know, with Shaq Barrett, it's like, ah, do you, are you going to pick a guy first round? That's going to be third string competing with Anthony Nelson. Maybe he gets the second string. I don't know. How do you see it? I think with the signings and the way that the Bucs prioritize them, going cornerback and then bringing back Anthony Nelson kind of leads you to think maybe Brian Branch is the pick or maybe picking a cornerback from the deep corner class set, whether it's Cam Smith, Manuel Forbes, uh, Joey Porter Jr. There's so many yeah. corners that the Bucs could look at taking and maybe getting one of those guys, putting them in the nickel position and moving back Antoine Winfield. Uh, Logan here mentions offensive tackle. That's still an option too. If yeah. somebody falls down the board or if they reach up, grab somebody like Anton Harrison or Darnell Wright. Those are probably the two positions I see the Bucks really targeting in the NFL draft now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to safety in just a moment. But, you know, since there was the mention of offensive line so Jason Light was up at the podium with Jamel Dean and Anthony Nelson today and you know obviously he was geared about Jamel and and Anthony but Jason got asked about Baker and got asked about some other things going on and offensive line was one of them so obviously Donovan Smith is cut the Bucks need to decide what they want to do with left tackle whether that's move Tristan Wirfs over and then you got to find a right tackle whether you're going to keep Tristan on the right side you have to find a left tackle um the other Part of the equation is Luke Gedeke, 
You obviously have a lot of depth at offensive guard now with the re-signing of Aaron Stinney. You got Nick Leverett in there, the incumbent starter from last year when he took over for Gedeke. Um, Who am I missing? Robert Hainsey now, obviously, who goes from starting center to in the competition. So Jason Lai was kind of asked about the depth at offensive guard, what he wants to do with Luke Gedeke, and what the plan is for Tristan Wirth. So uh, he gets into all of that. His second response is about Luke Gedeke, and then the last one he talks about uh, Tristan Wirth. So let's get into a little bit of this press conference with Jason Light talking about the offensive line. Oh, we have, yeah, we have a lot of confidence in um, Nick, uh, Brandon. I mean, uh, uh, Robert. Um, we we have a, I think we have a lot of depth and players that can actually start. Um, for us, we're now we're going to continue to add there. We got the off season here. We've got the draft. We've got you know, all the way up until our first game. So it, like we're not playing in two weeks. So we have a lot of time to do it. But we have a lot of confidence in these guys. Um, I, we're not making any decisions right now today. I think things can change in the matter of a couple days or a couple weeks. Or still got the draft coming up. But we're happy with the fact that we think that he can play both guard and tackle at a pretty high level. What about Tristan out at the left tackle spot? Well, ever since we drafted Tristan, we've talked about that. So um, I think right now it's just taught that we have the offseason. We still have, you know, a lot of time here to see how this unfolds. Bucks have a lot of depth at offensive line, specifically offensive guard. And Celsius has a lot of depth just when it comes to their flavors. They got some new flavors and they're rolling out right now. That's the Fantasy Vibe and the Sparkling Lemon Lime. Both delicious and fantastic. Cannot recommend it enough. Uh, seven essential vitamins with Celsius energy drinks. Uh, no crash, no you know post-energy drink jitters that you might get with uh, some other products out there. Uh, if you want to get a Celsius and enjoy all the flavors that they have, whether it's the new ones, the Arctic and Peach vibes, the Tropical vibes, or the... Uh, sparkling watermelon, sparkling wild berry, uh, sparkling kiwi guava, all different flavors. Go to the store locator on the Celsius website, punch in your address, find out where you can get a Celsius near you at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, 7-Eleven, or your bodega, as uh, everyone seems to be infatuated with when I say it. Um, but once you know that you can get your Celsius at your local bodega and you're like, I want more. That's when you go over to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, get the variety packs. Friday's the spice of life, and there's so many awesome flavors of Celsius energy drinks. Go over to Amazon, pick whatever one you want, and have it sent to your house or apartment every week, month, quarterly, yearly if you want to. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast adam i think i saw you drinking a celsius there am i uh am i all right what were you rocking yeah uh i got the oh, mango passion fruit awesome there you go yeah. that's one of the maybe not the newest but one of the newer flavors of uh celsius energy drink so make sure y'all check it out great flavors over at celsius all right, um, let's get back into – we'll kind of jump all over the place today because we did have Jamel Dean and, you know, we did have Anthony Nelson and Jason Light. We want to talk about what's next. Uh, we kind of talked about the offensive line there. Um, this safety situation, though, Antonio Field Jr. is going to stay 
or move back to free safety where he was, you know, his, his rookie year, his second year, they, you know, they move him to, to nickel and he wasn't bad. I just think he thrived a little bit more when it came to the, um, you know, the free safety position. So you got Mike Edwards, free agent, Logan Ryan, free agent, Keanu Neal as well. Um, I, Get the feeling that if the Bucks are going to bring in any type of veteran safety, they're most likely going to go in-house with the three guys I mentioned over someone new. How do you see it, and who would you pick? If you could only get one out of those three, um, who would you? Who would be your choice? Ooh, that's a good question. If I had to pick one of the three, I'd pick Mike Edwards, just based on the fact he's probably the most complete player, along yeah. with having youth on his side. Logan Ryan would also be a really good like third safety. I feel like as a reserve last year, he was limited by injury at times, but when he was on the field, had a big interception against Green Bay and then also had uh, a fumble recovery. But Mike Edwards last year, he kind of showed at times the playmaking, playmaking ability, but being thrust into the starting role, he struggled maybe a little bit in terms of coverage but I would still say he has the most upside of the three and would be the one I'd bring back. Now, the cost there, the Bucks have made it work with Jamel Dean and Anthony Nelson. Can they also they squeeze Mike Edwards into the mix on maybe a deal of four to five million annually? That's a whole nother question. But of the safeties that you mentioned, I would go with Edwards. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, especially with the youth and his overall friendship and chemistry with um, Carlton and Jamel, who are younger guys compared to Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal. Um, I have Mike Edwards second. I still would go with Logan Ryan first, man. I I think we can't overlook the clutch factor of what he did early on in the season with the forced fumbles and and, and the interceptions and – that kind of went away when when Logan Ryan went on the shelf. And Mike Edwards claimed the fame before he was a full-time starter was that he's a ball hawk. He's going to get after, you know, the interceptions and everything like that. And, you know, the Saints game was awesome. You had the pick six and everything. But after that, his only other interception came against the Cleveland Browns on a halftime Hail Mary where, you know, it was a softball. And Mike's a big baseball fan, so... Yeah. Uh, obviously, he he made the play. I do think there was a little bit of a learning curve, though, for, for Mike Edwards. It was his first year as a full-time starter, so I'd be really intrigued to see him in his second year as, as that full-time starter. Like, how much did he learn in that first year uh, about himself and about um, playing in this type of defense? And I think all safeties around the league – that have played for Todd Bowles are usually better for it. I mean, Jordan Whitehead got a, got a contract because of it. As UK Prince says, we ain't been full board safety since Jordan Whitehead hit his way to a Super Bowl. Now, Keanu Neal is supposed to be the, you know, the new hard hitter for the Bucks. I guess, when, when Jordan Whitehead left. And to a degree, he was that. He had that big uh, pass breakup on Taysom Hill in the Bucks saints game at Raymond James Stadium, where if the Saints make that catch, the game's probably over and the Bucs lose. So he made a huge play there. I do think they can kind of replace Keanu Neal in the draft with uh, with that hard-hitting type of safety. So 
I think Neil's last on the uh, on the totem pole there out of the yeah. three safeties that we mentioned. I still think, you know, he's a solid player. And if the Bucs want to bring him back for the veteran minimum, I'm not against it by any means. But, yeah, I would go Ryan Edwards and then Keanu Neal. Now, when it comes to cornerback, would you still pick a corner in the first round knowing that you have Carlton and Jamel there? Or do you think that kind of falls to a day two, maybe round three type of uh, situation? Because there's a lot of depth in this year's corner class, which I think allows the Bucs to, to wait and see and see what falls to them. Yeah, so if the Bucks were to bring back maybe one of the three safeties that we mentioned, I would lean towards maybe going with Brian Branch as kind of like a safety slot yeah. corner hybrid. Now, if like two safeties return, I see like the Bucs maybe going cornerback in the third round, getting a guy maybe like Julius Brents, who we've mentioned, yep. uh, Kyle Blue Kelly, those are both options that make sense instead of reaching for somebody and maybe grabbing a position that they don't necessarily need. Kind of the same argument with uh, getting an offensive lineman and maybe having them be a backup or an edge rusher and not having them start right away. You don't want to draft a cornerback and then have them be the fourth string if they bring back a guy like SMB. And they still have Zion McCollum too. And yeah. they really want to see him develop as a player. So corner at, in the first round doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but if it's the best player available, it's worth a shot. If it's a guy like Devin Witherspoon, definitely. But I don't know if, how far. Yeah, yeah, it all depends. Like it's a balance of depth versus like best player available. And sometimes you don't want to pass up the best player available, even if you are kind of filled up at, at that position. As, as Stephen Williams says, hey, hey, everyone. What up, Stephen? Thank you very much for watching. I think another name to pay attention to uh, talking about like the third round of the draft is Alex Austin from Oregon State. Um, he is he fits the the bill for the Bucks in terms of tall, lanky corners, pretty good in coverage. Uh, had a lot of pass breakups, not a ton of interceptions, which we know the rest of the Bucks corners have filled that one up pretty well. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a name that came to mind. He was in my um, he was in my Bucks battle plan mock draft. Who'd you take uh, as a corner? Believe I took Kyle Blue Kelly. Yeah, you took Kyle Blue Kelly. That's right. Who uh, obviously has his own connections to the Tampa area. But let's stick at cornerback, but talk about the guy that we spoke to today. That was Jamel Dean. I mean, he came in smiling. He was waving to everybody as he walked in. Understandably so. I mean, the guy just got paid and you know, overcame the odds. I think people forget like Jamel Dean was almost written off in college because he had some knee injuries at Ohio state and he began his career at Ohio state. The Buckeyes would not allow him to play. And they said he had a 3% chance of even like making it as, as a football player before his career would be done. And, you know, he beat the odds there, went to Auburn, had a solid career, and then got drafted by the Buccaneers. So this was a special day for Jamel Dean for everything that he overcame. Uh, he talked a lot about mental health as well, um, how he was pretty open about being an advocate for everybody else getting help. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff from Jamel Dean today. Um, he talked as well about the negotiation process. Uh, he said he had a good poker face because he ran into Jason Light at um, Ulele in, in Tampa. And he talked a little bit about his conversation with Carlton Davis that helped him sway his decision. So 
Uh, we're going to play a couple videos. We'll start with Jason Light and his introductory uh, comments. Then we'll get into the introductory comments from uh, Jamel Dean and Anthony Nelson. And then I'll play Dean's comments about, um, you know, the negotiation process and his uh, conversation with Carlton Davis and getting to play with Carlton Davis again. So. Sit back, relax, and enjoy some of these videos that we're going to play in a row. So, uh, extremely excited uh, to be here today. Um, you know, it's a very underrated uh, moment when you sign, organization signs an extension to a player that they drafted, um, brought up, developed. Um, sometimes you tend to celebrate the guy that you sign in free agency from another, lure from another team. A little bit more but in this case I think we're more excited because it shows that not only do we want them back um, because we feel like they're great players that are gonna help us win another championship but they also wanted to be here and in the case of Anthony and Jamal I know that they had a lot of opportunities so did Levante um, but a second contract is awesome in terms of Levante a fourth contract but that's a whole nother story which is awesome but um, these guys epitomize what we look for, not just on the field, but off the field. So very excited. We're all excited about these guys. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Jamel and Anthony. First Dean, you just Dean. But I appreciate you, Jason, because I honestly didn't want to leave, man. I'm a, I'm a born, born and raised in Florida. I'm close to home. I'm comfortable. So I'm like, why would I leave? <laughs> Wish I would have known that. Hold <laughs> <laughs> the face. <laughs> We ran into each other Saturday night at Uleley. He had his uh, poker face on. Yeah. Put it that way. Help me hostage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Tampa's been great. Great to my family. Um, you know, got a lot of opportunities here. And excited for another one, man. We got a lot of work to do, and uh, we got a lot more to prove. So, uh, me personally, and and uh, as an organization, so I felt like it was a good fit for me. I went to two. I went like two seasons in college without my knees being a problem, and then when I ran the four three zero at the combine, I was like, that should eliminate the knee. It's the knee situation. So you know, just being able to overcome all the adversity, it's a great feeling to get a second contract. Because I was, I mean, sometimes I, a little bit. There was a little bit of doubt about how long my knees gonna hold, gonna hold up, but. They did. They still got a couple more years in them. Yeah, I remember like Ohio State. They that they couldn't make an offer that would, would keep you here? Yeah, I was a little worried. I was like, yeah. Like, I, I would hate to have to go up north because, man, I don't like the cold, really. But, you know, they started making some adjustments. And I was just like, okay, there's a chance. And then Carson called, and Carson called me and was like, yo, they really want you. And I was like, oh, okay. So they started, started leaning, towards, leaning towards my favor now. So then, you know, the stains worked out, and I'm happy to be here. Jamel, how important was it for you to reunite with Carlton, get that dynamic duo back at corner, and Antoine at safety as well? You know, it's a great feeling, because me and Carlton, we've been following each other since high school. So it was, it was both of us. It was crazy. In the All-American game in, uh, in California, he was actually my roommate. And then, you know, we fought then. You know, we went separate separated in college. I went to Ohio State. He was committed to Ohio State, too. I just early enrolled. And then things didn't work out. Then we both ended up at Auburn together, alongside. And then he left early. He left early to go to the draft. I tried to get him to stay another year, but he didn't want to do it. 
And then once he got to the Bucks, I was like, I was excited for it. And the next year, I get a phone call from Jason. I was like, what, I'm reunited with Carson again? And then we got had like, boy, we just can't get away from each other, can we? I was going to play another video or two, but not only did we get a super chat, we got a ginormous super chat. Wow. One of the largest super chats we've ever gotten in Pewter Report history. So we will stop the presses to immediately get to this. Shout out to Adam Hamilton for the 99.99 super chat. Thank you so much, Adam. Really appreciate that. Adam says, boys, I love the show. Thank you, Adam. We love yeah. you. Keep up the great work. I think we take Bijan Robinson. I know this is blasphemy to some. Listen, he's arguably the best player in the draft. He could add such an explosive element to our offense. What do y'all think? Go Bucks forever and twice on Sundays. Adam, freaking love you, man. Thank you so much for this uh, for this super chat. Other Adam, uh, <laughs> I'll let you take this one first. How do you feel about it? So at one point, I was kind of, I wouldn't say pounding the table, but I was making a strong case that the Bucs should draft Bijan Robinson and adding not only a running back who would come in and maybe be a top five, top 10 running back in the NFL right away, but also a receiver, somebody you can kind of line up and be versatile in different packages. He's a really good offensive player and probably a top five player in the draft class. And a lot of the, the argument against it, obviously, is that the running back position isn't as valued in today's NFL as it was maybe 15, 20 years ago. If he was in the 2003 NFL draft, he'd be the number one or number two pick. Yeah, he'd be like the next like, LT. <laughs> yeah, and he actually compares very well to uh, like Ladanian Tomlinson yeah. and just his build and just being versatile. So he'd be a really great pick, but it's kind of a luxury pick. If this was a Bucs team maybe two years ago and they're in the Super Bowl window, yeah, go ahead and draft B. John Robinson. But when there's so many holes to fill yeah, and there's so much value at other positions, it makes it really hard to justify it. That's pretty much how I feel about it. Once again, I, I thank you so much, Adam, for, yeah, the, thank you. For, for the super chat. I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with, with B. John Robinson picking him there. He's an extremely exciting player. Do not get me wrong. Best running back in the draft one of the best players in the draft. He might not even be there at 19, as um, someone else had mentioned in the comments. I just think for a couple of things, one, the fact that the Bucs have so many other holes to address, a corner before the Jamel Dean signing, um, you know, defensive line, edge rusher, offensive tackle. You know, if you don't have a starting left tackle, I don't think it matters as much what Bijan Robinson is going to do because you need to block for Bijan Robinson. You also have Rashad White ready to go. And, of course, the Bucs made uh, another free agent signing today. They uh, they signed Chase Edmonds, the former Cardinals running back, to a one-year deal. But it's very clear-cut that Rashad White is going to be the guy. So, like, I don't think you need to push Rashad White to the wayside to have B. John Robinson and do the two-running back system when I think Rashad White kind of earned – the opportunity to be running back one so the bucks can allocate their draft pick in the first round with so many different areas whether it's safety or offensive line like offensive tackle specifically what we talked about the other thing i'm with you if this was a couple of seasons ago yeah maybe you do take a shot with Bijan robson and just completely ball out on offense 
But if you don't really know what you're getting at the quarterback position, you're only going to be able to run the ball so much. If you don't know that Kyle Trask is the guy or Baker Mayfield is going to be a, a top level quarterback for you, it's kind of tough to justify drafting a running back when the guy thrown to that running back as much as they're going to, as they would use Bijan Robinson in the passing game. If the guy thrown to you isn't going to do a good job, then the draft pick probably doesn't really add up. And the last thing I, I would say to this, if you look at the history of drafting running backs early on. I mean, obviously, Saquon Barkley a couple years ago, he was the second overall pick. Actually, after Baker Mayfield, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to that 2018 draft class. Um, you know, Saquon, Derrick Henry was another early first-round pick. The Giants, last season was the best season they ever had with Saquon Barkley in terms of winning as a team. Saquon, obviously burst onto the scene as a rookie and in his second year. But as a team, the best the Giants did was make it to the second round of the playoffs and got smoked by the Philadelphia Eagles. The Tennessee Titans, they had that good run a couple seasons ago where they went to the AFC Championship game and lost to the Chiefs. But teams that have drafted running backs early, they haven't made it to the Super Bowl. And I'm, that's not to say that running backs are not an important pick by any means. But I think it's showing that you don't necessarily have to go with them in the first round. I don't want to say they're devalued, but maybe they're devalued in the first round. Even if they are a great home run pick, like Bijan Robinson probably will be, like Saquon Barkley was, it's just really difficult to say, let's get this guy in the first round. When you see Pacheco and the Chiefs in the seventh round being productive, not the same amount of production, but productive, and you want a Super Bowl with a seventh round running back as, as your main guy. Yeah, and just to kind of add to you, I have two more points. So running backs often have their biggest impact in their first couple of seasons in the league. Another recent high draft pick, Ezekiel Elliott, who was released by the Cowboys. Yeah, He had his best seasons the first three years in the league. He was the best running back, led the league in uh, yards, rushing yards per game. And then after that, he had injuries, and his yards per carry went down. And running backs, they have a very short lifespan and the team they has do. to be in really good position to win now. So does again, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Bucks. but when you mentioned Derrick Henry, the Titans built their offense around Derrick Henry and then kind of utilized a game manager quarterback in uh, Marcus Mariota and then Ryan Tannehill. And they are still able to have success and having Dave Canales, who has so much experience with running backs and being successful in Seattle if you had a guy like Bijan Robinson, the Bucs would have like it. They'd go from the worst rushing offense to yeah. maybe top five. <laughs> but how much does that really equate to wins? That's another question. Speaking of like building a team and things like that, Jason Light kind of had a message for his uh, critics today. Um, obviously, the Bucs made a lot of re-signings. They've pushed a lot of money down the road for a variety of, of reasons, including like trying to get Tom Brady back and trying to move around cap space for this season. So um, Jason Light had some awesome, I'm not going to lie, it was a great line. He had some awesome things to say to his haters out there. So let's get to that clip. Well, I don't want to say that I was 100% uh, confident that right. because, you know, you never know. Uh, I knew that everybody here is going to have some opportunities um, along with coming back here. So 
but I was confident that uh, we would be able to put our best foot forward. And um, I was confident that, that they wanted to be here. Um, I knew that. And because of you know the coaching staff that we have, the front office that we have, and the players that we have, like I said, it. Um, if I go back in time, I would do it all again. We um, we 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 pushed. We borrowed about a hundred million dollars against this year's cap and future cap um, to do what we did. Um, came close the second time, but you know if anybody um, wants to criticize what they did, they can come to any of our three homes and look at our ring. So uh, we're happy about that. <laughs> So, and we're going to pursue another one too. I loved everything about the last, I don't know, 15 seconds of that. If anyone's got a problem, you can come to any of our three homes and, and see our rings and say, we're going to pursue another one too. Uh, Lyle also spoke earlier in the press conference talking about just how proud he is of the rest of the front office, Mike Greenberg, Jackie Davis for, the job they've done, I mean, if you go back to the year at one, constructing a Super Bowl roster, but two, the year after, they were able to re-sign everybody, Levante, Adam Kinsu, uh, a number of different guys, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they were able to bring back, uh, you know, convince Gronk to come back. And then this year, similar, a little bit different, but similar, where they got Levante back. They were able to sign Jamel Dean when no one thought that was possible. Same thing with Anthony Nelson. So uh, here's Jason Light. Just talking about how confident he was that they would get everybody back, specifically Jamel Dean and Anthony Nelson, and just uh, you know, give some props where it's due to the rest of the front office. Well, I could talk all day about how proud I am of you know the team that we have, Mike Greenberg, Jackie. I mean, the whole front office, John, everybody. We've we've been working on this plan for a long time, and like you said, there were really tough decisions, but I have a lot of confidence in these people and. There's a lot of challenges, and we were able to get through it. Um, kind of, sort of coming through the back end of it now. But never once did we ever think that we were not going to be a good team this year. We have a lot of good players. Players entering their prime. Players in their prime. Players that haven't even scratched the surface of their prime. And it's the same situation that drew. Um, Tom Brady to want to come sign here. It's a very similar team. And um, we're, we're not done. We're going to have some more. We have to do a little bit, make a little bit more responsible or reasonable um, signings right now because of where we're at. But sometimes you get your best deals and you get your best players, um, uh, contributors from that. So every, these guys wanted to come back. They believe in the vision that we all have here with our coaches, with our front office. And uh, that's going to continue. Good stuff from Jason Light. Uh, Thomas, Thomas Foolery, Tom Foolery says, uh, Dean cannot stop grinning. I'm so happy for Anthony Dean, uh, for Anthony Dean, Jamel Dean. <laughs> Anthony Nelson was happy too. He was a little more stoic about it, but you know, nothing, nothing wrong with that. I honestly can't remember. I was so mesmerized by the, uh, <laughs> by the great super chat that we got from Adam. Um, I believe I played the video of, yeah, Jamel talking about his relationship with Carlton and the fact I didn't know this that they were roommates at the All American game, like the high school yeah. All American game. That is so cool. I did not realize that. I knew obviously the Auburn connection and everything like that, but um, yeah, you really that was can't really, get away from him. You cannot no matter what. at all. Yeah, um, definitely cannot. 
Uh, I got a couple more videos to play. Um, Jamel Dean spoke about getting, um, well, actually, like playing for Todd Bowles was like really important to him. And he talked about there was a time when he was a rookie. I think it was Bucks Seahawks in Seattle for Bucks fans that remember that. And Carlton Davis was like a late scratch. And so Jamel Dean had to like, like half an hour before the game, it was like, all right, you're the starter now. And he talked about kind of like panicking in that moment. And then from then on, he wanted to be as prepared as possible, watch a ton of video. And then he wanted to pretty much see the game the way Todd Bowles sees the game. So um, this is a cool thing from Jamel Dean. You're about to find out what it was. I went to two, I went like, yeah, so Ricky, I had my, I had the first humble experience in the league. The whole, you know, I didn't, I, I used to hear the saying, prepare like you're going to play because you may never know when your name is going to be called. You know, I really didn't believe that until it actually happened. So I, that was like a humble experience for me. So I was like, man, I had one opportunity then. This what I, this was how I performed. And then, so I like, hopefully, like I so said, ever since that moment, that's when I started going up to Bulls and told them like, teach me the game of football. So whenever my next opportunity comes, I make the most of it. And then it happened. And the opportunity actually happened the next game we played the Cardinals. And then I had like, I went from having my worst game to my best game in a two game span. So that was like, so I seen like my potential. So then I just try to like just build on it easier and then get smarter than my third. Then my last year, that's when I like really like honed in on like, I want to be, I want to know the game like Bowles so I can play faster. And then so I came in like, well, I've been here since phase one. And then I did all, did every OTAs and then just still just kept studying. So when time for training camp, I just play fast. And when season starts, I started off on the high note. But you had a lot of reasons. Well, you know, it, it was really big because it's like me and him, we put in a lot of work together. So it's like, why would I let another coach reap the benefits of what me and Bowles did? <laughs> so, so like that was like that was like really like big because I only want to be coached by Bowles. But he the one that taught me everything I know. I'll make a scene. It's Justine. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Anthony Nelson. Um, his importance to the outside linebacker room. I mean, I think we overlooked that towards the end of the year, they were down to two outside linebackers and it was JTS and it was Anthony Nelson. And Anthony Nelson was the best edge rusher last year. And the fact that he played every single snap was like so important to the Bucks when they really needed it. Yeah, definitely. He was a key player down the stretch for the Bucks, and really unexpected. Like, he stepped into the starting role and he could have just been average, but he was making plays like crucial plays, getting strip sacks. And then also having Carl Nassib, like two really big edge rushers for the bucks when they were really the only options on game day. Yeah. Uh, let's hear Anthony Nelson. I don't want to leave him hang. He was there as well. Um, he talks, talk about his growth as a player, how important it was that he got the start at the end of the year. And yeah, to your point, he led the team in four fumbles with three last year, and he's going to try to build on that this season. Yeah, I mean, being able to get some more opportunities definitely helps. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of work, though, throughout the four years. Um, but it was nice to be able to show it, uh, be able to produce, be able to help us win some games, uh, win a division. So, I mean, it's just awesome to be able to, to be a part of something like that, and that's a big reason why I came back. You replicated yourself. I think it was, like you said, it was just a little growth in mindset of, 
you know, we're out there to stop them, uh, stop them to get it back, but we can just take it away and make it a lot easier for ourselves. Um, and then just, you know, being able to get more opportunities, being more comfortable out there. Uh, it was just, you know, playing more aggressively and, and, and going out there to make more plays. As we wrap up the show, I do want to get your opinion on the upcoming quarterback situation that is going to take place in Tampa, Adam, between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. But first, let's hear a message from our friends over at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Better feel better. Have better sex using Age Rejuvenation. They have testosterone therapy, peptide therapy, and stem cell therapy. Um, we have a lot of people at Pewter Report that have spoken very highly about, including former Buccaneer John Gilmore, who's part of the Pewter Game Day show. Um, that's a current picture of John Gilmore. Um, it looks like he'd still play right now. So he's spoken a ton about it. Scott Reynolds has mentioned how he's lost weight from it, how he feels 10 years younger, how uh, he doesn't nap anymore, and how it's been super helpful for him. So go to agerejuvenation.com and see how it can help you. Okay, Adam, the big thing, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, it's very early on, both uh, going to be competing for the starting QB role in Tampa Bay. Your early predictions before even seeing them hit the field in a new offense, uh, feel free to compare the two. Let's get a tail of the tape, as they say, <laughs> in boxing and the UFC. How do you see this shaking out? So I see it shaking out as like during training camp and like throughout the off season, preseason games, pretty even split maybe in reps between the two to start the 2023 season. I see Baker Mayfield being the starting Bucks quarterback. And after every touchdown pass, I want to see a little shake and bake celebration or maybe cool. some Baker Mayfield headbutts. That'd yeah. be, that'd be awesome. But Baker Mayfield, he brings a lot of energy. He hasn't really gotten a fair shake in, in his career. At the stops with the Browns, he made the best of it, guided them to the playoffs after going through 30 quarterbacks, pretty much. And they didn't have a playoff appearance since 1994. And then he came in, and I believe within two or three seasons, he led them to the playoffs. And going through the merry-go-round of quarterbacks in Carolina, and then being a late-season pickup for the Rams, at every stop, maybe minus Carolina, he's played through not only injury, different coaches, different coordinators, and just having to adjust on the fly, maybe he can finally settle in Tampa and claim the starting job. And haven't mentioned Kyle Trask at all yet, but he's still growing. And after two seasons behind the greatest quarterback of all time, he's learned so much. He's learned how to compete. He's learned, it was mentioned by Todd Bowles, every time he looked out the window, he was throwing. Yeah, he, he's trying to be a better quarterback and he's developing for some guys. It takes longer than others. You look at I know I know you've seen the Aaron Rodgers news going to I the Jets, yeah, I'm but it's well aware <laughs> <laughs> it took him three years to de to develop and finally get a chance before 
going in Green Bay and claiming the starting job that he held for 15 years. So for every quarterback, it's a different timeline. Kyle Trask, you don't really know until you look at the next training camp and what he looks like. It's going to be an open competition, but just based on experience and what Baker Mayfield has done in the league, having started nearly 70 games, I see him being the starter to open the 2023 season. Where did the Packers take Aaron Rodgers? Was it the first round? 24th overall, first round. Okay, yeah. So I I hear what you're saying with the Rodgers comparison. I think it's a little bit different, though. It is the same. Second round pick. Yeah. Well, it is the same in terms of they they were playing behind a legendary quarterback. For the Bucs, it was Tom Brady. For the Packers, it was Brett Favre. So they were never going to get that starting job. The thing is, when Favre was out of the picture, went to the Jets like Aaron Rodgers is now, the Packers were all in on Aaron Rodgers, saying, Mm -hmm. Aaron, you're our guy. You're the starter. Kyle Trask, they brought in Baker. They didn't totally believe in Baker. And Kyle Trask wasn't even the backup. He was the third-string guy with with Blaine Gabbard there. Good night, sweet prince. Blaine Gabbard, unfortunately, won't be back uh, with the Bucs. Hopefully, he's on another team next season, though. Um. So Trask not even being given the reins. And yes, you know, he was a second round pick, almost a third round pick because it's the last one in the second round. I don't think it means that the Bucs are not confident in him, but they're clearly not confident enough to say Kyle's the guy for next season. I think what they really like about Baker is that he's going to have that chip on his shoulder. He does have that fiery type of attitude, that FU type of uh you know mindset against other teams the competition he's going against and i thought jason what he said today was pretty cool he's like yeah in my career as the gm of the box this is really the first time that it's been like an open quarterback competition and that's what you're really getting with baker against kyle trask i think it's really intriguing because trask never got to work with like mike evans chris godwin everyone else that we've talked about. And Baker, this is the best talent that he's going to be working with. So I think it's exciting for both of them in that case. It's a new offense that they're learning at the same time. There are some connections with Baker playing for the Rams, so I think that's really cool. But curious what you think about what Jason Light says in this video because he talks a lot – the question is about Baker, so he talks a lot more about Baker. But then he talks about how – Baker and Kyle Trask are going to push each other. And without giving anything away, I just thought it was kind of interesting how Jason Light phrased it. So I'll play the video and everyone can kind of make their own assumptions from it, including you, Adam. If I can find it, I found it. All confirmed. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. Okay, I I didn't want to step on any toes there if you guys are putting something out. Just what did you see in him and what made him an attractive option for you guys to sign? at a spot that you didn't have a lot of, of cash available. Yeah, so we've always, all of us in the front office and uh, coaches as well, Todd, he's got a, he's got a, a history with Baker, um, you know, competing against each other. Um, we've seen a, a, a fiery competitor, uh, very confident, um, smart. He's got a very good arm. Um, he's had a lot of success. Um, you know, he took Cleveland to the playoffs. It's First time since 94 when Coach Belichick was coaching. I mean, that says something. And, um, you know, we're excited to have him add him to the fray. It's going to be a great competition. It's going to be, since I've been here, really the real first legit QB competition 
uh, training camp, and which will be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and it's going to make both of them better and feel very confident about what Dave is going to do with the offense and with these quarterbacks. How very exciting. How well, he can push him because he's a, both, both of them are great competitors. Uh, one's a little bit more outwardly competitive than the other. The other one is just as competitive, just more of a, uh, a quiet competitor, a quiet uh, you know, type of competitor, but they're both equally competitive. I think, you know, which is which, <laughs> who uh, Jason Light was talking about. And I kind of think of it as a leadership role as well. You know, there's the lead by example guys and the guys that are a little more vocal. And I kind of feel like the only leaders that lead by example are the guys that are like the best at their position. You know, like Rodgers isn't overly a loud guy when he was with the Packers but he is unreal as a quarterback. So he leads by example, you know, no player that's like average or mediocre has led by example. It's, I don't know. It's just a odd way of saying you're the best player. So you have to be the leader and you might not be as loud. So I don't know. I just thought when you think of like someone who's motivated or someone that uh, is a competitor, I'm not saying you have to like be screaming in front of everybody, kind of like what Nacho would do and, Good luck to Nacho with the New York Giants. But I don't know. I feel like the way he was like, yeah, Kyle. I know he didn't specifically say Kyle Trask, but like, yeah, he's a competitor. Just like a little quiet about it. I don't know. I I don't think he was dissing Kyle Trask. But when you have the way Jason talked about it, it definitely made me feel. I'm not saying Jason feels this way. But the way Jason described both of them, I'm thinking – I'd rather take, like, the loud, boisterous competitor that's in your face. I don't know how you feel about it, Adam. Yeah, I feel like he wouldn't say that one's less competitive than the other. I feel Also, like he, yes, also true. <laughs> he kind of had to say they're both equally competitive, but just the way he kind of worded it, like, one's really fiery. Like, he's on the sidelines, like, headbutting guys, or yeah. he's bringing a lot of energy and just kind of that charismatic personality. You didn't really see that with Kyle Trask on the sidelines this past season. You didn't really see it too much. He didn't really like give too many press conferences or you didn't really hear much. It was more just kind of behind the scenes. And you kind of have to take Jason Light's word for it mm -hmm. almost in a way that he is his competitor. He's quiet, but he's all about business when he's on the field. And we'll see. We'll see if that, that's actually the case. Yeah, but there's... Yeah, there's very much uh, a, a long way to go when it comes to this. One more time, just want to give a shout-out to Jason Light for what he's done in, in free agency. Mike Greenberg as well. Jackie Davidson, who we do not have a picture of. But shout-out to Jason Light, Mike Greenberg, Jackie Davidson for all that they did for the Bucks during this uh, free agency, re-signing some really key guys. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what move that they have next. Um there were some talks today that on Monday we're going to get to speak to Baker Mayfield, the newest uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and again, lobbying for that starting quarterback position. So Monday's show for everybody, just so you know, that's also going to be on 7 p.m. We're sticking with primetime for one more night because we are expected to speak to Baker Mayfield on Monday. So we'll have a lot of clips from his introductory press conference if you like the clips that we put up that we uh throw on our youtube and all the stories that we write at pewterreport.com do us a favor and follow us on our social media it's at pewterreport for twitter facebook and instagram on our youtube channel which you're on right now 
It's Pewter, uh, sorry, Pewter Report TV. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd really appreciate that. Always trying to put out great content for everybody to watch and consume. But that's going to do it for us on tonight's show. For Adam Slaban, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great weekend. Happy St. Paddy's Day. That's tomorrow. Enjoy the March Madness. Enjoy whatever you're going to do this weekend. And we will see you on Monday for another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Peace out.